Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy with Bible Prophecy Radio. Are you sick and tired of the corruption that you see around the world? Well, what is it that we can do about it? Is there anything at all? What does the Bible tell us about it and what we can do about it? We're going to explore that a little bit today, but if you're like me, you are sick and tired of it all. You're tired of COVID. You're tired of politics. You're tired of infighting and violence in our streets. You're tired of wearing masks and uh, the fear of being forced to take a vaccine you're leery of. Well, there's a lot of things going on in the world, as you're very well aware of and sick of, like I am. Well, let's see what the Bible says will happen in the last days, in the days of the end of this world. Let's start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's what he says. Now, this is Paul speaking to his son in the, in the uh, spirit in, in the church named Timothy. Here's what he says. You should know this, Timothy that in the last days there will be very difficult times. That's an understatement. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Let's just stop right there. Have you ever felt that your children are disobedient and ungrateful? Oh, yeah. Have I been a disobedient and ungrateful kid to my parents? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly far from sinless. And do you see people loving themselves and their money instead of what's right and doing what's right? There will be very difficult times as a result of all this, but we're not done. They will consider nothing sacred. Well, nothing is sacred. They're tearing down old monuments and statues and the like. Why are they doing that? Well, because it's the establishment. We want to get rid of that. Verse 3, chapter 3 in 2 Timothy they will be unloving and unforgiving. Boy, don't we see that today. They will slander others and have no self-control. And that's what we see in politics. And we see them getting away with murder, with theft, with violence, with destruction of other people's property, with the taking of life and taking of their rights, it's all over the place. It's ubiquitous. It's, it's the norm nowadays. That's a shame and a disgrace. Unloving and unkind. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They love Muslims and hate Christians. How's that? Yeah, they hate Christians. Christians are not in the protected group. Oh, but Muslims are, and they do violence. They kill people. 
cut off their heads. Do you know that this week a hundred over a hundred and ten people in Nigeria have been slaughtered because they were Christians. Muslims came by and slit their throats while they were working out in the fields. Shame on them. Shame on them forever. They will be cruel and hate what is good. That's what they're doing. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Shame on them. They will act religious when they when it's convenient or profitable for them, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now in chapter 2, I put an arrow here. Stay away from people like that points right to verse 22 in chapter 2. It says, Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, and love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord. Those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's the people we should want to be around. Then in verse 24, a servant must not quarrel, but he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And that's what we see. We see Democrats who oppose the truth. They hate the truth. And they don't want Donald Trump in office and power anymore. They didn't want it in the first place. They didn't want it on day one and every other day. No president has ever had to endure more trouble than Donald John Trump. What a shame. What a disgrace. Does that uh, mean a change in the Democratic Party? (laughs) I think so. Back in my day, in, in my childhood growing up, we had respect for them because some of the things they had to say were good. Well, let's move on to Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Here's what Paul said to the Romans. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Isn't that what they're doing today? Yep. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, he, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. They know God. Yes, verse 21, yes, they know God. They knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas about what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead they became utter fools. 
And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like people or birds or animals or reptiles. So God abandoned them to do shameful things, whatever their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things that God created rather than the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, are they any better? Hardly. Instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and to let them do things that should never be done. We don't want to hear that. We want to think it's normal. It's just another way of being normal. No. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. Breaking their promises, they are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Wow. And that's the end of chapter 1 of Romans. But that's what's going on today in our time. Let's pop on over to Revelation 2, verse 26. I want to show you something pretty cool there. Well, I want to start in verse 2, Revelation 2. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not really. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. See, that's what we have to do. We must not give up. We must not give in to them or to anyone except God. But I do have this complaint against you, and he's talking to the church in Ephesus, by the way. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But you do have this in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. And they were guilty of unrestrained indulgence, adultery, and false worship, I might add. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Unquote. Then dropping down to verse 11 in chapter 2, he says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. We are to remain faithful and loyal. Then in verse 26, To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with a rod of iron and smash them like clay pots. They will receive authority, the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. That is, to me, a bright new beginning. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. And you can read Revelation 3 and... uh, read even more of the same type of thing to different churches. These are messages to the original churches that were in Turkey. That's where they're at today. This was in Asia Minor at the time, but Asia Minor became Turkey. And that's where these same cities still exist to this day. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and starting in verse 12. Well, I actually should have started in, uh, oh, let's see, verse verse 5. Don't let anyone mislead you, for, uh, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will, in doing so, in other words, deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. There's more to come, in other words. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Uh Uh-oh. In America, famines? Yep. And earthquakes in many parts of the world. And beware. Next year, in 2021, food prices may double. I suggest we all start growing some of our own food. We may not have it available if we don't. So that's important. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, including the United States. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested and persecuted. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. I want you as my listeners to be prepared. Be prepared. That's why I'm telling you this. This is what the words of our Lord and Savior, the great King, Jesus Christ, who is coming and returning to this earth, told us to watch for. We should expect these things. I'm going to tell you what we can do about it. Verse 10. Many will turn away from me when the rapture, for example, when the rapture doesn't come as expected, 
they may turn away from Christ. Don't let that happen to you. Verse 11, And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Isn't that what we're seeing today? There's corruption all over the place. Every state, every government, it's all over. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold as a result, in other words. And we just read that. But one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom coming to the earth as, you know, with Jesus Christ as its great king that's on its way will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desolation. The abomination of desolation, if you will. In verse 21, he says, There will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened. Why? Because and for the sake of God's chosen ones. Wow. These are the ones God wants in his kingdom. And that's you and me, hopefully. Now let's go to Hosea chapter 6 and verses 1 through 3. I want to show you some interesting things that you might not have heard before. There. Hosea is the very first of the minor prophets. Here's what he has to say, starting in verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but now he will heal us. He has injured us, but now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us. He's coming back in his kingdom, and it will make everything wonderful again. He will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. And I could echo that. Let us press on. Don't give up. Let's find a way, a time and a place to get away and rest. This is number one on my list of things we can do about it. Find a way to get away, find a time to get away, and a place to get away and have some peace and quiet and rest in our Lord, our God. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of the rains in early spring. And that's the end of chapter 6 and verse 1 through 3. In Hosea. I want to take you now to Matthew 6 and verse 33. And we should all have this one memorized. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. 
Today's trouble is enough for today. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I want to show you seven ways that we can fight and fight the corruption that we're sick and tired of and that we can do something about. He, these are the seven things I see that we can do in the Word of God to better ourselves and to avoid sickness and tiredness of the corruption that we see in our world. So we are to seek God's kingdom above all else and live righteously. Now, what is righteousness anyway? Well, David said, all your commandments are righteousness. David said this in Psalm 119, verse 172. So, exactly what, what are God's commandments? And why should we use them? Well, because they define how to be righteous. So, what are they? Have I got them memorized? Well, in a word, yes, I do. You shall have no other gods before the true God. You shall not make unto yourself any graven image to bow down to. That's number two. Number three is you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four is... Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Holy is righteous, to keep it righteous. In other words, follow the Ten Commandments. The Fifth Commandment, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise of long life. The Sixth Commandment, you shall do no murder. The Seventh, you shall not commit adultery. The eighth, you shall not steal. The ninth, you shall not bear false witness or lie. And the tenth, you shall not covet anything that belongs to anyone else. Your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's car, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's servants, or anything. Those are the Ten Commandments. We, we have ten fingers. We need to memorize each one and maybe assign it to our fingers. The first four teach us how to love God. The last six, how to love our fellow man. It's all about the word love. What did Jesus say about commandments? On what two laws... Do these ten hang on? The law and the prophets hang on these two commands. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, your life, and with all your innermost being, with all your mind. And the second is like, namely this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is important to God. So it should be important to every Christian. So the first thing we're going to do to fight the corruption that we're sick and tired of here is we find a way 
a time and a place to get away and rest. That's important for each and every one of us, myself included, certainly. Then use the Ten Commandments and memorize them. If I can do it, anybody should be able to. Where do you find the Ten Commandments in the Bible? All ten are in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. The third thing we can do to fight the corruption that we're sick and tired of is spend each morning in one hour's worth of prayer. And I'm not talking about repeating over and over the same uh, words. No. What I like to do is I spend my Bible study time on my knees before God, and I talk to him about it as I read it out loud. Now, you don't have to do that. You can pray your own way. This is the way I do it. And I'm not bragging. It's just the way it is. And it's the way I like to do it. I ask God, please help me understand your words. And I'll read three chapters at a time of the first book, let's say Genesis. And then I'll read the proverb of the day. You know, there are 31 days in most of the months, or 30 days. So I read one proverb each day. That is, one chapter in Proverbs each and every day. And I ask God about things that I don't understand. And there will be things that, that come along that I don't understand. And I ask him, what does this mean? And usually he'll jog my memory to another scripture verse. So scripture interprets scripture. The fourth thing, read and discuss in prayer the five chapters I'll go into one of the Gospels, and I'll read the next chapter in that. Say Matthew, Matthew 1, along with the Proverbs 1, and Genesis 1 through 3. So see, that way I, I walk through the Bible every single year, and I learn something new each time. My dad introduced me to Jesus when I was about seven years old. And I chose to follow him at that point in my life, believe it or not. And now I'm about 60 years down the road from there. Uh, so anyway, read and discuss it with God in prayer. And then number five, ask, seek, knock, overcome, and give. Ask God for what you think you need. Seek God's advice. Knock on his door and see what he opens to you. Overcome your own ways, your own ideas, your own self. That's not easy to do. I can vouch for that. And then go out and give somebody something that they need, either by word, by deed, or by food, or water, or whatever it is, clothing, there are lots of people who need things these days, and it'll not only bless them, it'll bless you as well. The sixth thing, stay put. Don't think the grass is always greener on the other side, because guess what? It's not. Sometimes there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. 
You can't solve your problems by running away from them. But don't panic. Just hold on. And number seven, listen to God. Turn off the TV, turn off the multimedia. All the things on your phone aren't necessarily good for you. You don't have to listen to any social media at all. It's not going to help your life, at least not very much. So don't pay attention to it. Don't look at it. Who needs it? Not me. I unplug TV. I don't even have it. I don't pay for it, and I don't own it. I don't buy it. Forget it. I don't need it. I do have YouTube. I put up videos. I have to use YouTube. But, and I learn things from YouTube that I want to know. How to saw a, a certain type of cut in a piece of wood, etc., etc. How to refinish this or that. How to build this or that. How to build a better mousetrap, for instance. Sean Woods. Well, anyway, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Hold on tight to what you've got so that you don't lose it. Serve God, listen to him, ask, seek, knock. Read and discuss in your prayers what the Bible is all about. Ask God for understanding and he will give it to you. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and you can learn more. There's nothing for sale. I'm not after your email, so you don't have to worry about any of that. So I will catch you next time. I hope this has helped you, and I hope you have a great week. I'll see you on the other side.